Welcome to the Heads and Bed Show, where we teach you how to get more properties, earn more revenue per property, and increase your occupancy. I'm your co-host, Conrad. And I'm your co-host, Paul. Hey there, Paul. How's it going? Oh, it's fantastic. We're recording this just before Halloween, getting excited to go out in, let's see here, forecast tomorrow is a little under 30 degrees once the sun goes is down. Your son so. parka? Is he a parka for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be wearing at least two or three layers. Fortunately, I have big enough costumes that uh-huh. I've got a Raphael Ninja Turtle and I've got a Bumblebee Transformer. Big enough. We've nice. got a, we can put at least three sweatshirts, a jacket, probably right. sweatpants or something like that underneath. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting experience. But uh, yeah, this is Minnesota. We in if you grew up in the early 90s, you get to tell the story about the great Halloween blizzard of 1991. So I can say when I was five, I was walking through 14 inches of snow when I was trying to hit trick or treat. So I think they got to buck up. <laughs> How are yeah, you that'd doing, be, sir? That'd be intense. We didn't often have snow growing up in Western Massachusetts. I can't really ever recall a Halloween snowstorm. Nothing rings to mind immediately. Maybe perhaps something very, a dust uh, went away very quickly, sure. but it would often be cool. It would often be cold. And what you would sometimes have is your parents with you and they would have a, like a little hot chocolate uh-huh. almost hanger. Then you'd sip on the hot chocolate. So the amount of sugar that I consumed on those days, both via drink <laughs> and via hard candies must have been obscene. I trick-or-treated in downtown Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts, which is a deep cut for anyone that's ever been to Western Massachusetts. That is a small town of small towns. But everyone go. was into it. Like, it's a small town, but everyone would be like, hey, this is a downtown. All the, people, all the kids that live in, like, the woods, like I did growing up, would come and experience the Bridge of Flowers, like our iconic landmark, you'd come across there, even the retail stores, but even if they were typically closed, they'd stay open. So you'd go in the retail store, like the local right. customer's deli, which is like a deli, and they'd stay open till 11, 10 o'clock or something like that. And they'd give out candy and they'd be like, oh, we're not going to sell you a sandwich, but we'll give you some Reese's peanut butter cups, <laughs> which is the top Halloween candy in my mind, by the way. Here you go. Yeah, all good. I've got some Mario slash Luigi costumes going out and then nice. Princess for the little one. It should be good. It might be a little bit cooler, but nothing too crazy. And then the house has been decorated already for some time by my wife. She's awesome. more into that than I am. I don't I don't mind like giving away the candy and stuff, but I don't really like to decorate the house. She gets more into that kind of vibe than I am. So there's like a skull out there and there's bones <laughs> outside my window. Actually, you can't see it in the, this in the recording, but there's like tape across this window. And it's like, dad, don't enter or something like that. And it was, I was doing a recording with Brooke the other day and he was like, what is that? I was like, oh, there was like a crime scene outside and it was very unexplainable. So yeah, it's time to listen to this. Halloween will have come and gone. Mm-hmm. And what's your top candy? I said Reese's peanut butter cups are mine. What's your top Halloween candy? I'm a big Snickers fan. It's, I, I do the Reese's peanut butter cups too. The big ones, not the little ones. That's the, yeah. key. you gotta have to get yeah. the big ones, but the right ratio, peanut butter yeah. to chocolate. It's definitely That's... more equal in those. There's so many yeah. variations, by the way. Now, have you had one of those fast? I think it's like fast five or five something. These are like the bars. Those things are really good too. Those are pretty tasty. It's anything peanut butter chocolate combination. It's a right. That's yeah. That's yeah. It's good stuff. That's probably worthy of its own episode, to be completely yeah. fair. <laughs> top we rated. Like top candies. There was a Milky Way slash Snickers debate at uh, VRMA when we were there in person. Mm. And people were saying like, hey, the Milky Way is, is obviously far below in terms of popularity, but mm-hmm. it is a little bit of a smoother experience to eat the mil- to eat the Milky Way. Like it's just that kind of creamy, foamy almost, but it's sweet, but it's not overly sweet. Whereas the Snickers is there's like nuts in there. There's peanuts and various things. And I'm like, they're both good, but yeah, I just prefer the Snickers. Like it's just a vastly superior, I think, candy bar. I'm not going to lie on the Milky Way note. I definitely, when I was still doing the trick-or-treating, there were times I grabbed into the bag and said, ooh, milk, because I thought it was the three three musketeers. Same kind of coloring, same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. was incredibly disappointed when i got remembered oh this is not this no i messed up 
Yep, that's it's, the it's, problem. It's one of those products, and this ties into vacation rentals, I think, as well, by the way. When you have the property that's like good, but it's just not performing like the others, it's almost as good as, but there's not a viable reason to pick the Milky Way. Like if the Milky Way was significantly less expensive, okay, right. probably they would sell Milky yep. Ways, right? Oh, like the Snickers is $3 at this gas station, right? And the Milky Way is $1. You may be like, oh, it's not that much different. But when the products are basically inferior but it's priced similarly like you struggle it's like the whole i don't know if we do you do diet soda it's like some every once in a while you go to a place and they have diet pepsi not like coke zero which is like my preferred diet soda mm-hmm. of choice and it's not nah, just take a water like it's that much inferior of a product and it's it's like a lesson to be learned there i think with vacation rentals too because you could have a property that's like almost there but not quite there like the inside's right. not quite as nice the photography's not quite as good the location isn't quite ideal it's oh it's 10 minutes further and stuff and i think those things all add up till you have a milky way property not a snickers property so maybe we can come back to that idea and flush it out a little bit more i like that i like that <laughs> yeah but one idea that i fully fleshed out paul and people disagree with me on this hence the topic of today's episode is running branded ppc ads so i've been on this train for a while i think we're in agreement here but if not maybe you yeah. can even steal man a little bit if you want to a little bit eh, on today's maybe. episode and, and push against <laughs> me a little bit just we can go through some of the the points against it. So let's break it down for the listener. What is branded PPC? Maybe define it for us really quickly. What's the, what does it actually do? And what are we talking about when we say do or don't run branded PPC for your vacation rental business? Yeah. Branded PPC, essentially you are bidding on your branded keywords. It's, it, it is, it's the same. It's when people are looking for your business name, you want to show up and you're paying for it. It's not the organic searches. It's not anything like that. It's not your Google business listing. It is, you know, a Google ads campaign built around and usually it's a search campaign. Some people have used smart campaigns or anything else, but yeah, it's, it is one, not even a brand campaign One, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were doing it at Travelnet, it was a brand protection campaign. It's, it really is about protecting your brand because in our space where it is a little more aggressive, I would say in some areas where people do bid against bid on your brand. It is. You're just trying to protect that brand. So that's always how I saw the branded campaign is you're protecting it. You're just backloading what you're doing on the organic side of things, what you're doing, the best practices you're taking place of for reputation management, more or less. That's what you're doing. It's just another method within that strategy. But how do you look at the branded PPC side of things? And I know how you look at it. Why, why have you come to the conclusion that it is such an important part of the overall digital strategy. One of the things you touched on is obvious, and we agree there completely, which is that Airbnb and your so-called OTA partners Mm -hmm. will bid on your brand name and quite Mm -hmm. literally steal the traffic out from underneath you, right? So that's Mm -hmm. like the obvious. Even if there was no other benefit, that alone seems like sufficient benefit to be exploiting and leveraging to your benefit on the vacational manager side of things. So that's layer one. But there's some other benefits too. So one thing you didn't say that I'm curious your point of view on is that it gives your account a great quality campaign that was going to get a very high click-through rate a very low cost per click typically. Mm-hmm. And it's going to basically print money too from like a return on ad spend perspective. And in my experience, sometimes with accounts that are new in, in particular, but really any account, whether it's new or not, you need some campaign that you're giving Google that shows Google that your ad account is very relevant and that you're not one of these bad operators from, not from like a management perspective of the property, although that may reveal itself in time, <laughs> but rather if you're a bad operator from a ads perspective. And I see this a lot, like you mentioned smart campaigns and I gave the joke mm-hmm. and boo, that's terrible. Yeah. But the problem with smart campaigns in my mind is that you just can't be specific enough is that you just end up bidding on stuff that you don't really want to show for. Correct. And it sounds easy on the surface with Google. I oh, would it be nice if we could just give Google our website. Surely they understand that well and they can match keywords to our website and show the right thing. 
it sounds like a good theory, but their success rate on that from a smart campaign is pretty low. They do better on dynamic. We could come back to yep. that maybe in a future yep, yep, episode. Yep. But on your typical smart campaign, it's not very good. So in my mind, it's the no, I don't want to lose traffic when people are searching for my company name. I don't want them to go to an OTA or to another company. That seems like layer one to that. Layer two, I like the fact that it's very low cost per click. I typically am going to pay 10, 20 cents or less, often in many cases for a click to this keyword. So my actual budget here that I'm leveraging or deploying in this scenario was typically very low. We have clients that spend $100 a month on branded PPC, which is yep. like they would drop $100 on anything. So to drop it on branded PPC seems like a very easy thing to be getting them mm -hmm. to approve. And it gives your account a high quality campaign that's going to get you a lot of conversions right away and gives you a lot of benefits there. So I feel like those are some logical reasons why. What else? What, what What's another reason why you might want to do it beyond just those kind of core principles around brand protection and stuff? I think the, the unknown moving forward is going to be what the SERP page, what the SERPs look like, what the page, <laughs> the actual search engine result pages look like for, I think we have a little better idea of what Bing's going to do as they're trying to build in chat gpt more but these new generative search experience pages these results are just very different than what we're used to seeing this the whether it's the local pack whether it's the card setup whether it's sending people right back into their google business listing it is it's taking additional steps to get people to your website to make that ultimate conversion and i think that <clears throat> It is going to be more and more important to have that real estate above the fold and, and high enough above the fold because as the as the page just shifts downward, the actual organic results. And I've even seen some tests in the last couple of weeks here that or ad paid ad placements are getting <clears throat> mixed in within the organic placements in that between three and five. Four for sure. It yeah. is. It's and I, I the other thing, I mean, real estate, just the plain real estate thing. You've got your Google business listing. You've got hopefully one of the top, I hope number one placement for your own branded search. Maybe maybe you don't. That that's possible. But you've got the number one organic placement. You've got your Google business listing, and you've got that ad placement. I'm sorry, but between those three. Nobody else. There, there should be no other clicks going outside of your primary business area. So again, it's that protection. It's making sure that when people are doing the search for you, that is the most informed, highest intent. If, if someone already knows your business, knows your brand, you've done the branding. You've done the brand awareness already. You've. This is like the culmination of that full funnel strategy. If you've taken people from maybe they're looking at just general long tail keywords you've educated them, you've nurtured them. Now they're doing that search for the brand and they don't get to your website. Oh my gosh, that would be the absolute worst possible outcome, especially if they go to, I mean, you take the booking through an OTA. Okay. That's something, but if they go to a competitor site or something like that, I, that, that's the, I think the ultimate kind of thumbing your nose up at someone after you've done so much to work them through a marketing process. And I think that is, you can still see in the Google Analytics attribution report, which ones are coming through, which bookings are coming through specific, those specific campaigns. And it is interesting to see when you're looking at a multi-touch conversion or multi-touch booking, and it is usually they're coming in that last one from a PPC campaign is going to come through that branded search. Maybe you might get a long tail or two, but usually they started that search with vacation rentals, short-term rentals in your area. They've come to the site. Maybe they came back on that social ad or the retargeting ad, keeping continuing to grow that brand awareness. And then they search for you. They wanted to look for dates and rates. Bring it home. <laughs> Bring yeah. that booking home, I think. So 
Wasn't there like a college player or an NFL player that like returns the punt for a touchdown and then drops the ball at the one? If we can hunt down that clip, we'll have to put it in the links show notes. But basically, yes. that's we should do text on the graphic. We should like meme oh, yeah. it. And it's like you, the vacational manager, doing all the work that you just highlighted, Paul. It's like branding, email marketing, this. And then you get to the one yard line and you just throw the ball behind you and yeah, drop the ball at the one yard line. That's for the non football fans. It would be you're about to score, you're about to get the booking. And then you just intentionally, by your own choosing, decide to not do that and give it up. Yeah, it seems very foolish. It seems very foolish. Okay, so those are some arguments for one thing you touched on there that i wanted to highlight maybe before we get to the neutrals and then maybe we get to the why is this that way or what's the downsides here things to keep in mind you mentioned if the brand if they can find your brand and we've worked with clients over the years where it's area name vacation rentals so it is minnesotavacationrentals.com that's not a client we worked with but let's pretend that was the name Yep. Back in the late 2000s, you might have thought that's a great domain name. Look, people are going to find me in search. There's going to be a lot of benefits there. Not necessarily not true today. Like I wouldn't be opposed to having domains like that if I was running a vacational business or advising on one from the beginning. But the trouble with it is that sometimes Google doesn't actually understand that you are that brand. When you do that search, and Google Edge did one while you were chatting there as an example of a market that we don't work in anymore, but one of the clients that we had worked with is that. It's like name of area plus vacationrentals.com. They rank well in Google. They're third in Google. Verbo's ahead of them, and it looks like mm-hmm. who else is ahead of them? Like a local site, like a local property kind of listing site sure. in that market. Okay, so they rank number three. That's not horrible. They're going to get some level of traffic. They're not running in PPC at the moment. It may just be where I'm at and targeting and stuff like that. So sure. they may or may not be running PPC. It's not there. But I do see... Here's the problematic piece. I see the lodging block pop up from Google, so they don't think that's the brand. I don't see any Google My Business listings or a map pack. And then once you get a little bit lower, I don't see like their Facebook page. I don't see their Yelp page. I don't see anything that indicates that Google thinks that when I do that search, I'm looking for that brand. So that's the problematic part here in my mind there is that if you don't actually have a unique enough brand, people go to search for it and they can't really find you you're back at square one a little bit, at least from a branded search perspective. So it makes it a little bit more challenging. I will say this, you typically do get a really good click-through rate on that campaign far ahead of if you were some other domain.com, if you were like Paul's cabins.com versus Minnesota vacation rentals.com, people were searching, you're going to get a better click rate, even if they weren't looking for your company specifically. So there is some benefit there. Again, that's why I'm not like saying don't do this, but it makes it so much harder to build that brand. Like you have to do triple the work over just making something more unique sounding at a unique brand name. I don't know if you've experienced this as well. Oh, this is, it's, this was, it was a bit of a pain point in trying to create some of those brand campaigns or the brand protection campaigns. It's just like blank vacations, blank vacation rentals, luxury blank rentals, stuff, stuff like that. Stuff where uh, I get what you're saying and I, you are, certainly describing your business and if that's the name you want to go with and the brand you want to go with that's fine but it is it's that branded campaign turns into more of a long tail campaign anyway just by the intent because you have so many people who are just looking for location vacation rentals as opposed to you specifically yeah the metrics are probably going to look good there and hopefully your cost per click is relatively low and you're not seeing that tick up but for the most part and this is, is, and I know there is about, I can think of about four seaside vacations that are out there right, and right. great operators in a lot of those particular businesses. We, we work with some of those, but yeah, how do you differentiate? What's sea? What's seaside? It's it's just one of those things Lots where- seas out there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so again, it's something that I think we probably touched on it when we talked about branding and doing stuff like that, making that, making your name unique, differentiated, 
making sure people are going to be able to identify that as your business. I feel like I'm, I am owed commission on this because I always do an Amazon affiliate link, but I recommended Hello, Hello, My Name is Awesome. There's a book by oh, yeah. Alexander Watkins yep. that's just fantastic. So I'll point people in that direction. If they're like, oh no, that's me. Like my name isn't unique enough or people can't find me when they search me online. That's the book to read. Hello, My Name is Awesome. All right. So that's some neutral things there. I, I guess the, the bad... So here, I guess here's some things to explore. I'll try to steel man this in the best way that I can and work our best case against it. Yep. It would be nice if you didn't have to do this. It would be nice if Google said, why is Google taking Verbo money and Airbnb money? When a, even in some cases, I did a search for a client that has a trademark. They went through the whole trademark process. Mm -hmm. And sure, it is true that Verbo and there's a listing site here bidding on this particular company name. They aren't using that company name in the headline. So they're getting past that whole trademark issue. But yeah. here's the the brand name on top, then Verbo, then this other listing site, then they rank number one organically. So there's two out of the first four links are theirs. Two out of the first four links, if you mix paid and organic together here, are two people that aren't necessarily friendly to them. In fact, they don't list on one of these rental sites and yet they're bidding on that name, which might be a little bit suboptimal. So it's a philosophical question, right? Why should I be bidding on my brand name? People are going to click on my website anyways, or why should I do this? Why should I have to do this? It's not fair that Google is doing it this way. I guess those are, I'm conflating two issues there, but your view on those two ideas that people will often say, why bother? Why yeah. should I have to? In a perfect world, you are going to get all the organic clicks where you get show up number one and you're going to, all that is perfect. And the other, I would say, argument against it is, of course, you're going to see ROI. Is that a bad thing? Is it bad to see a reach? Is this bad to see bookings? Yeah, you got to pay a little extra for it. You're paying 20 cents. You're paying 15 cents. Now, if you're bringing it back over to the owner side and you're paying 15 bucks a click and maybe at some point those economics don't work. Sure. I understand that. Holy cow, though, like in everything we're doing, we're trying to bring you know, we're trying to get that attribution in place. We're trying to bring it back to getting bookings, getting direct bookings. So why wouldn't you make that small investment? to have a good ROI. Yeah, you should have a 20 to one ROI, 30 to one. If people are, are, are searching for your business, that's dates and rates. We've talked about it. So <clears throat> I, I just, I hate it. <laughs> I, I don't like that. Oh, you're, you're just focused on that. I think, and this is something that between the two of us, we're, we're detail guys. You know, we're going to go in and dig in and figure out, yeah, this metric is good. This metric is bad. This is not a vanity metric we're looking at right now. This is truly about making sure that you're securing all the possible direct bookings that you possibly can. And if you're devoting $100 in your budget to do that, it's, it seems like a, a rather modest drop in the bucket. But I don't know if I actually even talked about your two items. That's something. It just as soon as you were saying that, that placement and talking about that, that's I, I remember. And I remember, again, on the traveler side, when people said, why would I pay for it? Because someone else is. So that's that's the easiest way to do it. If you don't, someone else will. And they'll probably pay a premium to do it. Maybe they might pay two bucks a click or a buck fifty a click or whatever it is to do it. So again, they will, they give me a good reason as to why you don't want to see such a good ROI. Oh, the 40 to 1 ROI isn't good or 20 to 1 ROI isn't good? Okay, <laughs> now am I going to yeah. run my... Like again, what metric am I running my business on in a way that that is going to look good then, I guess? Um, yeah, I, li I like that uh, that frame. That's mine now. That little bit where it's like <laughs> take kind of ROI, which you not want to say. No, I'm joking. Oh, but yeah. It's, I guess my frame on this is that it would be nice if that were the case. It would be nice if wouldn't it be nice if we were all older and we could do whatever we wanted. No, I'm kidding. But it would be <laughs> ideal if we didn't have to do it. But it's you don't make the rules in this game. In the no. Google PPC game, 
Paul doesn't make the rules. Conrad doesn't make the rules. <laughs> no one makes it. Airbnb doesn't make the rules. No. The rules are made by Google and we have exactly. to decide how we're going to play play the game, right? So, and whether it's fair or unfair, whether it's just or unjust, it is what it is, right? That's my frame on this. The other thing that we, in the VRMA recap episode, I talked with, I think, was it Andy? I think was I talking to? I, I don't remember. I did so many names. <laughs> but anyways, the, the gist of what I was talking about was that most decisions are not binary. Most decisions are actually right. not A or B. They're actually A, B, C, D, E, F, or G. And then you have to decide which path is optimal. And man, it would be easier if it was A or B, because then if you go down the wrong one, you can circle back and go down the right one. But unfortunately, it's not the way it works. This is an A or B. You're either kind of, for the most part, you're either going to run it yeah. or not run it. But let's discuss if you run it here's the benefits we talked about the benefits if you don't run it here's the possible drawbacks and you will get some people who yes will skip over the ads and click on your organic site that's pretty much indisputable that's going to happen right and i know this because we've had clients where their ppc card has gone down recently excuse me and when their card went down we could see okay they're still getting (laughs) traffic on their brand name obviously in fact there was a little lift in search console maybe a five or ten percent lift in search console of clicks on their branded term and in some cases our clients get away with it to be honest with you we have clients where we're bidding on brand for a long time we're doing that for some for months or years in some cases. Mm-hmm. And when I do the searches all the time, I never pretty much see anyone else in Auction Insights or in the search impressions report. Right. I rarely ever see it on the SERP when I'm looking for the client's brand name. So at that point, we pretty much are playing a pretty easy defense that, you know, is it's like we're playing defense, but no one's trying to score on us. So it's a little bit reductive at that point. And maybe those clients, it would be worth discussing, hey, do we really need to keep this on? But again, it's, it's like that note you just had a minute ago. Do we turn this off? And then here's the potential downsides. Here's the upside. If we're spending 150 250 a month, something like that, in dollars, $150, $250, somewhere in that low price point level, and we're getting all these clicks, it's, yeah, it just seems, I'm trying to steal my argument, and I guess I'm just having a little bit of a challenging <laughs> time because I just don't see where someone wouldn't want to do that. I could make a case for, <clears throat> hey, this is our slow booking season. Maybe we turn it off during that time frame. Or like I said, no one else is bidding against us in Auction Insights. There's a reason to maybe turn it off there. But I feel like there's probably other things that are more cuttable than branded. I feel like branded should be the last thing that you cut. And branded should be something that you just run probably year round. Maybe the budget's going to fluctuate because of search demand, but that's Mm -hmm. definitely my frame on it. And I think you're you're benchmarking it in the right way. If I think auction insights is that the best way to be able to see whether or not you need to push harder on a branded campaign or any Mm -hmm. campaign, but definitely on that branded campaign. Yeah, if you've got 99% or 90% or I would say north of 90, you're probably you can at least evaluate whether or not you want to continue you're that. Squeezing but, all the juice out of that. Exactly. And that's, that's that magic number is 80% is when Google's really going to, it's funny when that crosses that threshold immediately, like a 30% lift in your cost per click. I, right. It's stunning to see that, but Google knows. So it is, if you're, if, if that causes your cost per click to go up a little bit, and there, there are some factors that you can use to evaluate whether or not it is still part of the strategy that you want. But it's evaluation. It's not like taking it out immediately. It's It should be in there. And it's something that, again, like with anything, let the data tell you how effective or ineffective the campaign is. And if, it, if the numbers say, hey, I'm not getting the, ret- the necessary return on it, like any other channel, shut it off or find yeah. a different way to, to work it or, or ideate through something else, new ad content, whatever it is. But there's a lot of... Di- there's just... There's way too much positive to be gained from running a campaign. Again, you don't have to run a thousand bucks a month at it, but there's too much positive in putting a little bit, devoting a little bit of your marketing budget towards ensuring that people who are searching for your brand are finding you, getting to your website, and then taking any action they want to, whether that's booking the stay, whether that's reading more about it. Ultimately, there's you've already built up some type of trust and aware you've built the trust you've built the awareness 
if people know the name, they, there's a relationship there they want to have. So nurture that, make sure that you're getting them down to the funnel and, and you know, continue to, to do what you need to after that too. I like that. Maybe we can end the branded PPC cons, uh, considerations on that. This last piece is for the, the listeners that might tune in this far, and it's the salespeople, because there's salespeople out there in our industry who claim that running branded PPC is a bad thing, and they'll say, oh, you shouldn't do this. All your returns are coming from this. They're not coming from anything else. And I guess we'll just end on this note. So if you were a salesperson and you were your job was to sell marketing contracts to vacation managers, so there's people that have that job and they compete and they try to take our clients perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It is capitalism, baby. I'm all for it. Believe yep. me. But my frame on it is that they say it's bad. They don't really provide any context for why it's bad. They'll just say, this is bad. You shouldn't be doing this. Or you're doing this and it's misleading your actual performance numbers. As long as on our side, we're being honest about, here's how we're approaching it. Here's why we're approaching it this way. That's the recording of this episode. I feel like that's a legit approach. But is there a path where, you know, as a sales technique, our people in our industry should be like aggressively saying, no, this is the wrong way to be doing this. And here's why, because that I have a hard time squaring. There's nuanced discussion to be had about why you should do it. But once you've decided to do it and you're aware of the approach that you're having from an ROI perspective, I just, I don't know what value is to be gained here from my point of view. Yeah. There's, if you really want, it is, if you really want, if, again, if you're evaluating and so, someone from sales is talking to you, I wouldn't listen to the salesperson. Yeah, <laughs> because they're not digital marketing people. If yeah, again, if you want you want to have that conversation with someone and question the branded PPC side of things, ask them to talk to a PPC expert because everybody's got a team or an individual who knows whether it should be a fit or whether it shouldn't be a fit. There, the sales is going to give you what, what they're going to give you. They're going to give this is we could do it better. Or we could do this. Or we could do that. Sure. That's sure. fine. I get that. You're going to spend the, however you want to do it. But if you really want, if PPC is the main thing you want to talk about, you want to think about, is going to drive your business, that's what you've got the goals and dreams and aspirations just written around, talk to someone that's actually going to, or talk to an account manager who has worked with a lot of accounts, who has worked with a lot of those campaigns. But I would go right down to the the lowest level you can, someone who is in those accounts every day. Because I can tell you, Conrad and I are in those accounts very frequently. If not every day, I'm in every day. I know Conrad is a little more team there where he's got a lot of people that he's supporting it that we we're not saying this just because yeah maybe it sounds good or maybe it, it works there's a lot of experience with a lot of campaigns with a lot of accounts with a lot of things talk to the people in the know don't just get a precursory our sales team says they can do it better so let's see what go how it goes yeah and, and certainly don't do this paul don't say that doing branded ppc is bad and then run branded ppc in your own account correct <laughs> That that would be a bit of a two-faced distinction there. That's not even a double-edged sword. That's a, oh, don't run it, don't run it. But we'll probably run it too, just to make <laughs> sure it works. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. That's my sour crepes at the end. Hopefully not <laughs> too sour of a finish on this particular shorter edition of the Heads and Bed Show. But we wanted to give a succinct thought process and topic on when to run ready PPC, the pros, the cons, what to consider, cost per click, your quality score, all these things make a difference. But generally, we are very pro running branded PPC. I think there's so much upside to it. Your cost is going to be minimal. You're going to get a great performing campaign in your account that, in my experience, is going to lift your overall performance and the whole account's mm-hmm. going to do better. 
don't drop the ball at the one yard line. Don't don't stop something when it's about to go the way you want it to go, right? No. There's that last little bit there that you can do if you got to go cut budget somewhere else and go cut budget somewhere else, I think, to make this a reality. And I think you're gonna your PPC account will perform better. And ultimately, no matter who you're working with, whether it's yourself or another agency in our space, you're going to get great results, I think, if you run branded PPC the right way. So I think that's all we have. Any departing thoughts or should we put a bow on this one, Mr. Paul Manzi? I think we're good, sir. Awesome. We're good to go. As this comes out, as Paul joked about earlier, it's post-Halloween and the Kindle version of Mastering Vacational Marketing, the book that I've been working for eight months is finally out. I mentioned at VRMA, we had little formatting issues and things like that. Do not worry. It is all settled and straightened out at this point. So I'll put a link in the show notes to the Mastering Vacational Marketing book. If you do purchase the book, I would super appreciate if you left a review. That would help more people see the book. And just like we beg for reviews in the podcast, you can skip the podcast review this week if you've already done that or if you've done that before. Buy the book. Even if you send me a screenshot of you leaving a review, maybe I could send you something as a thank you for doing that. We greatly appreciate it. But that's all we got. Thank you so much, Paul, for your time recording with me as always. We're going to be back here doing our little episodes. I know we had a little recap one last time, but we are back. We're in the saddle and we're ready to go talk marketing. So thank you so much for your time and attention. I appreciate you for listening and we will catch you on the next episode of the Heads of Met Show.